Welcome to Follow the Data. I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. In November of 2019, I had the good fortune of visiting Rwanda. I was so enchanted by the people. I got to visit the Women's Opportunities Center in Kayanza. That's a hub for women and the community to learn and develop their businesses. I was so charmed by what I found there. The fabrics, the baskets, and then, of course, the delicious coffee. I went into the fields with the growers, I went to the processing center, and I met the baristas. And then I got to sample the most delicious coffee. It was such an incredible experience, one I will never forget. Our guests today are working in Rwanda and in cities around the world to create opportunities for women that lead to economic independence. Since 2007, Bloomberg Philanthropy's Women's Economic Development Initiative, led by Verna Eccleston, has focused on developing women's skills to help them master income-generating activities. More than 724,000 women and their families have enrolled in training and education programs, directly benefiting over 2.8 million of their children through access to health insurance education beyond primary school, increased savings, and much, much more. This summer, an independent third-party evaluation conducted and published by the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies showed how effective and replicable the program is. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Verna Eccleston, who leads Bloomberg Philanthropy's Women's Economic Development Initiative, Lori Adams, the CEO of Women for Women International, and Christine Kondo, the Executive Director of Sustainable Growers. We discuss how the program affects women, their communities, and their children and families, key findings of the Johns Hopkins report, and how listeners can get involved. I want to reflect and go back in time. It's November of 2019, and I'm visiting Rwanda. Well, I wish we were all there right now, but we're in New York. But we're celebrating something really interesting. It's a study that is reflective of all of your good work, and we're going to hear about it today. I want to start off, first of all, talking about the work that Bloomberg Philanthropies is doing in Africa overall. Yes, I had the opportunity to visit Rwanda, but our work takes us to the DRC, Nigeria, and now most recently Tanzania. Verna, I want to start with you. Can you paint us a picture of the work that Bloomberg Philanthropies is doing in Africa with these amazing women? So our original uh, first program in the Bloomberg portfolio was the Women's Economic Development Initiative. It was our very first. And our very first. And that was when? That was in 2007 when we had a slight engagement with their founders in Absalbi. She came in and she met with Mike and she wanted to talk about these women who would move things in post-conflict regions. And I agreed to take a trip with Zanab and I met these women who gathered and had very strategic ways about how they were going to rebuild their lives. And we had heard Saina talk about rebuilding lives, but I heard these women talk about rebuilding their lives. And I can remember the first effort that we took on, the the government of Rwanda specifically wanted to grow pineapples because it was the thing of the day. And so we engaged in pineapples and I'm talking to people about pineapples and we soon it moved us into agriculture. So it started simple 
And that very simple coming in contact with women being introduced by Zenab Salbi and Women for Women evolving to, in 2013, sustainable growers. Because again, the government said they wanted to come into the international market with coffee. And we didn't want a mission creep on Women for Women. You know, it wasn't their thing. They didn't grow coffee. And we bought in additional partners. And that brought us to today, 724,000 women across those countries, directly impacting 2.8 million children and their family members. And we know that because we count every single effort we take on. Now, Lori Adams, you're the CEO of Women for Women International. And Bloomberg has been working on this partnership for a number of years. We're so grateful for that. Can you share with our listeners what our partnership has focused on and and, and some of the the highlights? There have been so many, but some of the highlights and successes over the years? Absolutely. You know, following on from what Verna just said, Mike and Verna met Zainab early days of Women for Women, and she was a college kid setting up this organization with an incredible envision that if you invest in a woman and let her make the choices about what she does with that investment, she will create change not only for herself and her family, but the whole community. 30 years ago when we were founded, that was a phenomenal notion that people were blo- just didn't believe actually, but which we now, um, <clears throat> we now have far more evidence for. So Bloomberg helped grow us up. Bloomberg took us from a phenomenal idea with phenomenal women and evidence you could see to a professional organization with a monitoring and evaluation system that is unparalleled. I was the head of monitoring and evaluation at my previous much larger organization. And when I came to Women for Women, I was like, dang, (laughs) there are enumerators in every country. We evaluate the impact before the program, after the program, and two years after the program. And so... And Bloomberg has been relentless in the best way. Verna has been relentless in a visionary way. Every year, the program improves. So, for example, the focus not only on data, but on partnership. So Verna said, you've got to work with the private sector. You have to work with the government. And I'm going to help you build those relationships. So we built a relationship not only on coffee, but also with Marriott. And we got women in our program employed in the Marriott Hotel in Kigali. This is phenomenal. So there's weaving baskets. There are incredible textiles. There are a lot of arts and crafts. Of course, the bricks. And then there's the coffee. And Christine Kondo is the executive director of Sustainable Growers. Um, Why coffee? How did you get into coffee? And why coffee in Rwanda? Great. Well, Rwanda economy is based on the cash crop. And then coffee, it's one of the cash crop that's really involved and increased the economy of Rwanda. In 2013, Bloomberg Philanthropies, they get uh, in partnership with Sustainable Harvest. But through the relationship that Michael Bloomberg has with His Excellency, they wanted to create an opportunity for women and especially in coffee, because as you may know, women, uh, they are not really, coffee is a cash crop. It's all belong to the head of the family. And then women, they were invisible during, you know, uh, this is not only Rwanda, but uh, this is like history worldwide. Because coffee, it requires you to be involved in the market access, and to be uh, aware about how the price is fixing, to be aware how to test it. And then women were not really, they were behind that. So uh, they were not really visible along the value chain. And how is business today? 
today I may say it's really phenomenal, as Laurie said, because not only they are participating, they understand the whole value chain, but they are traders, they are trading. They understand all the, I may say, the secret sauce in the business, whereby, you know, usually it's, it's because it requires you to understand the stock exchange, it requires to understand how the price is fixed, it requires to understand how the demand is, because uh, everything is based on demand. Now women, are, I may say, uh, they are pioneers. And then especially in Rwanda and DRC. Recently, I think we had a big conference that was, it's a World Coffee Producer Forum, whereby more than 40 countries around the world uh, was participating. And then our women were part of the panel mm -hmm. and then discussing how the coffee price can be fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really like a, a huge milestone. And then through the support of Bloomberg Philanthropies. And something that I learned from Women for Women International was that, the, you know, that the genesis of this, you know, after the genocide, women were left in the villages to mind the children. And there was an opportunity to help them rebuild and think towards the future and learn how to run their own businesses. And that stayed with me through the whole visit and was something that, you know, years have passed, progress has been made, but to see these women running these businesses and learning not only about their craft, but learning how to sell, learning how to bank um, is just an incredible sight to behold. Um, we're very data driven at Bloomberg Philanthropies. And so, you know, we hear all these anecdotes, but we needed to get the facts. And so we worked with Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies, and they recently conducted a third-party evaluation of our Women's Economic Development Initiative. Verna, an incredible report. Can you tell us about some of the key findings, and was there anything that surprised you? Well, you know, every time I hear people speak about the report, it almost brings tears to my eyes because next year I would have 50 years in the industry of human services. And across the course of 50 <laughs> years, amazing. Yeah, in the course of 50 years of serving people, you know, the way we serve people is anecdotal. The way we serve people in the largest institutions in the world, we say, if you're this, you're that. If you're A, you're B. And we build policies and we build programs and we put funding against narrative. Right. And so there are real efforts happening by people in the absence of institutions with or without institutions. So I was hesitant when the report first came out. I didn't actually read the report for eight months. Um. When I learned that Johns Hopkins had actually interviewed 14,000 people and found women who had participated in our program 10 years post-graduation, those are uncanny facts, ridiculous numbers, and just not thinkable. Because most people oh. say, okay, you, this person participated in the program, where are they today? To say that we can tell you where those participants are 10 years from now is incredible. The other thing is to say, you know, basic scientific number of evaluation and acceptable number is 100, sometimes less than 100, to prove science. The other thing that was most impactful for me was the testimonies of the women that they interviewed during the course of the evaluation and the stories that they told. 
um, which solidified or even made the fact stronger. One woman said in DRC, when my husband and I farmed a patch of land, he would go out, he'd get the return, he'd get drunk, the money never come back to the family, and myself and my children ate one meal a day. Now that I've been participating in this program, I have my own plot, I have my own money, and now I make decisions about what my life and my children's life is going to be. So when people ask us, what does women's economic independence mean? What does it mean, Michael Bloomberg, that you're investing in women's economic independence? The study finally shows that with an increase in income and assets, you have the power to make decisions about your life and your children's life. And that's all women around the world. We can identify with that as women. With my own income and assets, I can make decisions about my health, how my health is treated, how I'm treated in facilities, how I move about, how where I invest, what I do, what my life is, and I don't have to depend on institutions or some other person to come by and take me up and take my life and be in charge of it. Lori, what were your thoughts about this study and how does it help you uh, with the work that you're doing day to day? Um, I was, like Verna, absolutely thrilled. As I said, we have our own data. But when you have a third-party evaluation that your partner has commissioned that is this in-depth at this level of quality and this thoroughness that validates, it's this just shows you you invest in a woman she takes that resource and she multiplies it and she sustains it. So it's just, it's a phenomenal validation of something that we know. I mean, Ren and Christine and I are lucky. We get to go and see and we, we hear from women directly, so we know. But to have it validated with this level of investment is a resource because the reason I came to Women for Women is that I heard about this holistic integrated program that was meeting women where they're at helping them access their own economic and social power that they had been kept from. And that approach and that model works and it needs to be spread much further. And this evaluation gives all of us the opportunity to say, look, we know what works. Let's do more of this. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other data points that uh, are, are reinforcing that the program is working effectively? So one of the things that people don't always realize is that economic power and social power are really connected. I think we know this anecdotally from our own lives. If you're super depressed and down, like, are you really going to go start a business and be successful? Like, confidence is a really important part. And when women have been told that they're less, that they're not important, that they're the wrong religion, ethnicity, race, nationality, gender, it's really hard, right? So it's beyond lean in. Women can't just lean in. They also need resources and support and training. Um, but to me, it's equally important that women have decision-making rights. And the impact assessment measurement tools that Bloomberg helped us invest in tell us that women more than double their decision-making rights. And we ask them in a detailed survey, do you get to decide how to spend the money that you earn? Do you get to decide how many children to have? Do you get to decide whether girls go to school? And consistently across all the countries we work in, and we now work in 17 countries, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So women being able to decide. So you, you need to make sure, because some economic programs, the women earn the money, and then guess who decides? The men. Tell us a little bit about how Sustainable Growers secures relationships, visibility, and the confidence of women farmers throughout the coffee value chain. 
Yeah, how do we secure uh, visibility? So the way Sustainable Grower secures visibility of women coffee farmers is through different trade shows, participating in different trade shows, whereby they get to be exposed to understand what the market is really requiring, uh, building the relationship with roasters and then buyers, uh, understanding the coffee value chain, and then as well as through training. And then uh, we also have like different gathering whereby we have like our own platform. In the past, it's used to call Letter Coffee, but recently we rebranded like Global Coffee Talk, whereby we are bringing everyone together, women, producers, uh, roasters, importers, government institutions, financial institutions, they come all together and they discuss about the challenge that they're facing in the whole value chain, the challenge they're facing in the climate change since we're in agriculture, and they are all sitting around one table and discussing the issue that they are facing. And then the way they are building their confidence is through training. Mm-hmm. Well, so, this should this study should boost their confidence too, because it's such a validation. Now, now, Lori, the Women's Opportunity Center houses several vocational programs. Tell our listeners a little bit about the center, what makes it so unique. And, it, you know, what's a day in a life? If, if I'm a woman at at taking part in these vocational programs, what's a typical day? So the Women's Opportunity Center is an incredible, it's a a beacon of hope. It's an embodiment of our mission. And at the same time, it's a really practical place where women come together and earn and save collectively. They run their businesses there. They get trained there. And what makes it special is a number of things. One that New Yorkers will appreciate is that it's Sharon Davis, a female architect who completely voluntarily and for free um, helped with the design. It's won an eco award and it is featured in the Atlanta Museum of Design. As and if you go on Bloomberg.org, you can see some of the images <laughs> of what it looks like. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. You get it's there gorgeous. and you immediately want to meditate and do yoga or, you know, it, it, it evokes that kind of spiritual centering. And that's the point about digging with design, uh, you know, design with dignity, actually. These are women who have incredible power. And just because they don't have the resources we have doesn't mean they should always have to be like learning over a tree here. So this, that's what I mean by it was a symbol of everything this mission is about. But very practically, um, with Bloomberg's investment, with investment of other um, individuals who've been inspired, we have a dairy production that is creating the best yogurt in Rwanda. I'm sure I can Christine attest will to agree. That too. It is delicious. <laughs> and we are, you know, we're supplying Um, restaurants and hotels. We have um, a tailoring business. We have a rug business. The latest, which is really fun, is that um, one of our our graduates, a single woman with six kids, um, decided that she was going to make soccer balls. And using the tailor, the weaving skills that she had learned, Grace. And this happened to be right before the FIFA um, conference was happening in Rwanda. So the president of FIFA wife came to visit the Women's Opportunity Center, was inspired, and now FIFA is promoting the soccer balls made at the Women's Opportunity Center. This is the kind of ingenuity, drive, creativity that is just, you know, phenomenal. It comes from a woman. Yeah. So, now, and Women for Women works in conflict zones. And so, of course, you know, you're not going to have your average tourist going to South Sudan <laughs> or DRC. So it becomes a showcase for this model that Bloomberg has invested in and built 
that people can come and see at the Women's Opportunity Center, but which actually works everywhere and from Afghanistan to Iraq to South Sudan to Ukraine now to, you know, it works globally, but you can see it at the Women's Opportunity Center. So, Verna, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how the these impact evaluations play such a vital role in women's economic development initiatives around the world? I mean, that's a great question. You know, from a philanthropy standpoint, you know, funders always want to know what happened to people after the investment. How is, you know, how are your decisions made around it? We now have real data that shows us. And there's not an organization that works in the women's space who, believe me, Catherine, since the release of the report, doesn't want a piece of it, doesn't want to share it, doesn't want to know about it. Because previous to this report, there was no data other than anecdotal data, if you can believe the billions of dollars spent around the world in women. There was no living, live data set that showed and demonstrate this is what happens when you invest strategically in this particular group. Right. And so for us at the philanthropy, it's definitely going to inform deeper investments or future investments. Um, It's going to put us ever present in the kind of the front line of philanthropy and how to enter into the women's space. That's really important because we also as a philanthropy have all the elements that's needed to support the work around a woman. And that's been the greatest part. So our data sets, you know, I can share my data sets within the institution. If we're looking at um, one area, we can look at that. And the programs are actually pushing our data sets. We said our programs are now tracking decision-making power very specifically, but they're also offering up other data sets. You know why women are doing this as an add-on. So it's now prescribing the way forward. It's going to help people around the world who's doing this work. And so it's a great it's great to have. It's so a map. It, it's not only affecting the women directly and validating and giving them confidence, but it's affecting their communities and their children and the cities. So, Christine, as you know, you're running this business, you know, um, Question Coffee is what our listeners can drink and purchase. And you said that it's being distributed. Talk a little bit about, you know, how you scale this and, and how the report can incentivize the women that you're working with, but it helps you from a business standpoint in getting more traction with selling your product. Yeah, so first of all, I may say the focus is still on training women. So as long as they're understanding the training, how to increase quality and then quality control, as long as they have been part of the all the process and then engaging them in the all value chain step, so it's good. Then Question Coffee came in to help women so they can talk to different partners, especially luxury hotels in Rwanda and then the airline as well, Rwanda Air. People can purchase coffee from the web store. They can purchase coffee from the website as well. And then we also have like uh, through retail space at the social enterprise where people, they can come not only buying coffee, but educating. We are also educating consumers on the story behind uh, the cafe. Verna, what elements do you think make this initiative's model replicable? We've already pulled elements of this into southern cities in the United States. Um, I work in Alabama. I work in South Carolina, which many people will see um, 
the film Hands to Heritage, where we connected across the water, the very model. But interestingly enough, this model of data sets actually grew out of Bloomberg government. And we bought it into Bloomberg philanthropy. So when we were doing human services in Bloomberg government, people said, well, how are you going to move 700,000 people out of receiving um, public assistance? And we did individual plans for individuals. We do individual plans for the women here. So we've taken models that are very costly in the United States, which probably renders lesser result. And we kind of flipped it and applied it in the most complicated places. As an example, we encourage women to save. We see that as an element of economic independence. You must save. In in U.S.-based systems, you can't get assistance if you have savings. So we flipped that took the elements, our best elements from our governance at Bloomberg, implied them in the hardest places, used that as this is like probably the biggest testing space you can use, come back with 724,000 examples, and we're bringing it back to show all of these folk who are paying on average a million dollars a year per person to get them to a $3.34 an hour job. We can take less than that, as Lori said, this gift of $35, we can bring this woman to this point if we actively engage her in her plan to move on. So this is going to change the way we think around the world about how we serve people who've been placed at a disadvantage. This is earth rattling. So when I started up, I saying, Catherine, 50 years in the industry next year, you can only imagine how I feel as someone 50 years ago who took the baton from people who had done it 50 years before and me to be able to call them and say, people, we have a report and listen to their gleefulness at age 95, my mentors, and tell me, oh, wow, wait a minute, we finally got here. So ladies, we've come a long way but we still have a long way to go. So Lori, what are some of the challenges? I mean, you, you've got a lot of interesting, rich data in your arsenal now, but what are your thoughts and hopes and dreams and as you face some of the challenges that still exist? Well, I want to thank you for doing this podcast because one of the biggest challenges is getting this news out to people. You know, here in the United States, we face our own challenges. We have an election coming up again. You know, to bring the attention of people to a South Sudan or an, even in Afghanistan or a Congo is not easy to break through, right? But we know from World Bank data that if women around the world are allowed to have the same business opportunities as men, $6 trillion will be added to the global GDP. That benefits all of us. You've had the opportunity to taste the coffee that comes from Rwanda because of Bloomberg Investment. There is a whole lot of other delicious, beautiful things that we can learn and gain from if we invest in women owned. So I do this. I don't do this for anyone else. I do this for myself because I learn and I grow and because I'm inspired and because I know that when you invest in women somewhere else, like a DRC, you're investing in all of us. And so I guess that message, that message that you don't have to choose between a cause in the U.S. and a cause internationally, do both. Because our biggest challenge is breaking through to have people understand this investment makes a difference in our lives here and is really important. And 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 finally, Verna, we know you're passionate about your life's work, mm-hmm. um, but this validation, this data, this report, 
what are your thoughts on how you can use this and channel it in a new way to get even more done? I think, you know, when you ask that, I, I think about the greatest challenge that I have is to get women, no matter whether you're a woman in Rwanda or a woman in New York, to change our mindsets about our capacities. We are engaged with one of our other partners in, in, in a, a, a piece of work we're calling She Money, right? And we're watching women save money and invest in other women. And I say when I talk about She Money that every single woman, uh, the first message our mother gives us is save for an emergency. And there's not a woman that I say that to that doesn't light up agree or say, yeah, that my mom did tell me that. Save it for a rainy day. Save it for a rainy day. The tricky part is the emergencies are never ours. <laughs> so we save, we save, we save, and we invest in others. So the whole power of this initiative is to get us as women to rethink about and take permission for ourselves to invest in ourselves and grow ourselves. That's our biggest challenge. The outputs you see in this report are the result of women saying, you know what, I can do this. And if we can spread that and scale that, we would be successful. I think when I think about working in conflict zones, and I think about this every day, and I, I challenge anybody to please identify for me anywhere in the world that this has happened. I have never in my time heard a story where a woman has waged war. But I have met many women who clean up after. So we're just going to do like a little round robin. So a data point or a statistic that impressed you the most, Christine. What is a statistic about women's economic independence that you think we should be aware of? So we have like over 50,000 women that has been graduated to, through this investment of Bloomberg Philanthropies. Uh, I may say that in, in coffee, and I'm going to talk about Rwanda and DRC. So we have seen the yields because the yield, the productivity, the factory has been increased more than 69%. So that's a thing that so we need to know that. And then as well as uh, women decision-making, uh, the, the women are now jointly making a decision uh, mm -hmm. together with their family. And then we have seen an increase of that more than 50%, which is really incredible. So as long as women, they get that training and they share and then they invest, they invest not only on their own self, I may say, things they want to do, but the family come first. They're investing mm -hmm. in the education mm -hmm. of their mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. They're investing in the well-being of the family. And then they came after. Right, yeah. right. And Lori, the statistics, the data from the report, so impressive. You've shared some of the stats with us. But were there any surprises? And what do you think is the most valuable data point from the study that will help you in your work or to better illustrate the success of, of the work that you do day in and day out? A data set that didn't surprise me but does shock me still to this day is that the average woman who comes into our program and the investment that Bloomberg makes earns less than a dollar a day and is supporting a family of more than seven. How is that possible? And with this Bloomberg investment, 
you more than triple that. And that's still not a lot of money, but it's a lot more. And you take her from edge of survival to being able to thrive. And then you see the statistics of how many more jobs those women have created for other women. You see the statistics of how many more girls are in school, which Bloomberg tracks. And the World Bank will tell you that for every 10% more girls you put in school, the national GDP rises by 3%, right? So there is just such a ripple effect from investing in this one woman who then puts her girl in school, which then leads to the national GDP. So the data set, I've already said it. The fact that it shows that the earnings and savings double and triple across the entire set, even women who are hitting enormous roadblocks, which are often health-related, is powerful. But let's just remember that. Less than a dollar a day. And is it not our responsibility and our opportunity to unleash the power of all these women who you just give them a tiny bit and they run with it and they transform everything? Mm -hmm. Uh, Verna, can you top that one? I mean, is there a data point that you think is very useful well, to I fuel can, the work I can forward. Def- I can definitely piggyback on that one because when I hear those numbers um, and I think about how in the report, when we look at the secondary impact, first of all, it's the primary impact. And with our strategic investment of one, we came in with a strong expectation that it would have a trickle down effect when it actually restructured and reset the planning of the family. We use the baseline scientific number that we use in the United States, one person, head of household, average family size four. So when we think about 2.8, but in fact, that one woman is doing nine as opposed to four, we've undercounted by more than three million people. So what it's going to drive us to do in our next round is not just count her children, but everyone in the household. Because as we know, as women, whether we have children or not, there is going to be a family member that we'll ultimately have to care for who is going to be in our cycle that we have to consider how we provide for. So we're going to start counting all of the people in the household who has to survive on that less than $1 a day and be very strategic about how we help her with the savings, how we help her with the investments to increase and have a deeper impact on nine and 10 first before you consider the 20 and the 30 in your village the 40 more in your country with an understanding if you strengthen 10 in the household, you have 10 other participants who's reaching times a number, times a greater number. And now you're talking about a national impact. And that's something that Bloomberg can do. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Bloomberg Philanthropies is committed to investing in women's economic independence by helping women around the world develop marketable skills in high-demand industries. Many thanks to Verna Eccleston, Laurie Adams, and Christine Kondo for joining us. As always, the views of our guests are entirely their own, and Bloomberg Philanthropies hasn't independently verified any of the statements made by this episode's guests. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Chloe Alchek, Bernadette Williams, Sharday Mendoza, Minnie Kim, Amy June, Devin Alessio, 
Erica Goodmundson, and Elliot Popko. Visit Bloomberg.org to learn more about our Women's Economic Development Initiative and our partners. You can learn more about Women for Women International by following at Women for Women on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can learn more about Sustainable Growers by following at Sustainable Grow on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg, says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So until next time, keep following the data. I'm Catherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.